I think when some people think of work, they think of retirement. They think, when is the day that I can be done with work and uh, move on from that? The trouble is that once you get into retirement, you may find that, that it presents a whole new set of challenges. And this was uh, captured well in, in a movie um, came out a few years ago called About Schmidt. And it begins with him waiting for his retirement. And the clock is, is ticking. And he's just sitting there at his desk, doing nothing, waiting for that last second when he can retire. And uh, so he, he goes out, and now he is retired. And he's going to a party with all his friends, and they raise a toast. And all of a sudden he's like, now what am I supposed to do now? I'm not working at Woodman of the World Insurance Company. One thing that gives him joy is his daughter. And so he tries to find joy in that. But the trouble is, his daughter is marrying, in his words, a nincompoop. And so he stays up late at night, doesn't have to get up in the morning. And all of a sudden, he sees a commercial for child reach. And this leads to some of the human story, humor of the story because he finds hope, some hope in supporting a child in Africa with some of his resources. That child's name is Ndugu. And so he has the opportunity to write a letter to Ndugu and he tells Ndugu all about his frustrations, about work, about family, <laughs> in some choice language, mind you. And at the end of the movie, he's still kind of thinking there's no meaning to his life and that he's basically wasted it. And then he receives a letter from Tanzania, Africa, informing him that Ndugu is an illiterate boy who could not read his letter. However, Ndugu had painted him a picture for Warren Schmidt, and at this point, Warren begins to realize that his life does have meaning. Now, what I want to talk about this morning is I think it captures some of our common issues that we deal with in our society, and that's why I bring it up. But what I want to say to you today is that Warren Schmidt was wrong, that he, his life did have meaning, and that his work at Woodman of the World Insurance Company was significant, and not only, and not only in terms of this world, but in terms of God himself. And so that's what this sermon is about. Because it's Labor Day, I like to take the opportunity to speak about labor. Because it's very easy for us to think that it's just church, and that's the time where we meet God, and then we forget God in the rest of the week, or think that he has nothing to do with it, or little to say with it, or maybe only when we read the Bible and pray. But I think that that's a very different picture than what the Bible actually gives us. What we see is that God created work. He created us to work. When, uh, if you go back to Genesis 1, we see that God created humans in order to work in the world and to improve the world. He created the whole world, got it all ready for mankind, and then he didn't just say, just sit there, just rest, just do nothing, just enjoy it, though he did say enjoy it, but he said, take the world and improve it, fill the earth and subdue it. He said, increase in number, make it useful. And he blessed them towards that end. 
So you see that work is not something that is a result of the fall. Work is not a punishment. Work is something that was created by God in the beginning to, as a way of glorifying Him. Now, the curse of sin, because Adam did not obey God, the curse of sin makes work harder. And that's what we find in Genesis 3, that there's thorns and thistles. The ground is harder. And so we should recognize that some of the challenge of work is from the fall, but the work would still have its challenges even before the fall. But some have gotten the wrong idea from this that manual labor is a curse. And sometimes when, when you're trying to, to do work and you're trying to make some piece of wood fit in one place and it doesn't seem to fit there, or you're trying to get a... a a nut out of the, off, an, off an engine and the, the tool's not working, then you feel like it is simply a curse. But, it, but that's not the way to view it. Labor was created by God, although the fall has made it more painful and frustrating. And as a side note, one thing we learned from that is we should expect frustrations. <laughs> so when we get to work, nothing's going to work out exactly right. Especially when I'm working with manual things. It's always been a challenge for me. I always think like the instructions. I have the instructions. I follow them. It will work out. No. I've realized like that never is the case. Like to assume if you get it once in 100 times, rejoice and give thanks to God that he gave you a break that day. But expect frustrations. And when we expect frustrations, it'll make things a little bit easier. But after the fall, God still blessed the work. Of course, humans sinned against God and and evil got worse and worse. God sent the flood to give the world a new start. But even then, he renewed his call to tell Noah and his sons to go out to the world, to have dominion in the world, to fill and replenish the earth, to care for the animals. And he blessed them even in that. And the point there is that God was wanting people to work. He had a plan for the world to fill the world with civilization, with... uh, with uh, concrete and steel, with, with cables and cars and so on, in order to fill the world with good things and to show forth his glory. And that was his plan, and it was not negated, though it was marred by the effects of the fall into sin. So God is interested in the work of automobiles, house cleaning, child raising, school teaching, beekeeping, and factory managing. Your work matters to God because God created work and he thinks it's good. And, and that's one reason, in spite of all the things that are wrong in the world, most people go out to do some work each week. It's not just that they need to make, uh, provide for themselves, but we're created to do things. God has made us to, to work. God has created work. And in addition, God has explicitly affirmed the blessing of work in Scripture in a variety of places. That he has said that he's interested in it and that he blesses it. For example, in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, it is said that God was the one that gives you the power to produce wealth. And so he says in that way he confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers, that is, is, is today. And so if someone is able to increase in wealth, that's the blessing of the Lord. And so therefore you should not forget God because he's the one who gave you that power. In Psalm 104 that we read is our call to worship. It says that he makes grass grow for the cattle, plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, bread that sustains his heart. 
And it says, then people go out to their work, to their labor until evening. How many are works, Lord? And wisdom you made the all, the earth, all them all. The earth is full of all your creatures. And so there he says that he has made humans to go out to work, to serve, and to enjoy the blessing of the fruit of their labor. Both the raw materials and the mixing and manufacture of them for particular ends are the things that God has formed. And one of the points that the Apostle Paul makes continually as he's talking to the churches is that he says to them, you are to be about work. You're not just to sit around and do nothing. Indeed, he says, if a man will not work, neither should he eat. But positively, he said, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you, 1 Thessalonians 4.11. And Paul himself showed this by his own example. Even though he, was, uh, he had provision to be a minister and a missionary of the gospel, he wanted to show them the importance of work, and so he engaged in work as a tent maker. Uh, during, during his time that he was serving. He was active. Now the passage we read earlier, we see that God affirms work in Colossians 3, 22 through 25. And I think this is a particularly poignant passage. What we see is that God takes an interest in our life and work. This is true in a general way that because God is interested in all of his creation. He's interested in every human being he's created. But... Christians know that they have a relationship with God where they are forgiven and where they can interact with them as their father. And when we have this assurance, we can know with certainty that God has an interest in our work and lives. When we address him as our father, we know that that doesn't change on Monday. He's still our father, and he's not just interested in the fact we went to church. He's also interested in the fact that we go to work or that we do things that are useful and significant. And so God affirms work here through the work of slaves. So one of the, this is one of the strongest affirmations of the value of work and labor that we will find in the, in the Bible because Paul is writing to Christian slaves. Now he writes that slaves are to obey their masters. Now the spirit of Christianity and its general principles would, would speak against slavery and promotes a more equal form of government and society. But... It's also not, Christianity is also not revolutionary or violent in its promotion of those ends. And so, when speaking to slaves, he says to them, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord and not human masters. And so, we see that, um, that uh, slaves, of course, tend to work by compulsion. They're not doing what they voluntarily want to do. They don't want to be there, so they have to be forced to do it, often with the threat of punishment. But God says to them that you should do it because, uh, be- for, the, for the Lord's sake. He says you should actually work hard for your masters. Now, why do you think that that God can say to even slaves that they should work as if working for the Lord in their work. It would seem like this is not a work of the Lord because it's a matter of slavery. Well, because in spite of the wrong relationship that has occurred there, there's still within that something that is good. 
So when the slave took care of the fields or took care of the house or served his master, he was still doing things that were in and of themselves good and that God wanted them to do. And so as in, in terms of the object. And so what we can see from that is if that was true for slaves, that even what they did was good and was done unto God, how much more so is it true for us when we're not slaves when we can voluntarily engage in labor, we can voluntarily contract ourselves for, to work for others, or we can engage in activities that we do simply because we see them as good or the duties that God has called us to do. God has an interest in them. He created this world. He created it to be improved. And that includes not only the things that, the things that we might say are the big things, whether you know owning a company or being a missionary or pastor or we might say um, someone who's a sports player or whatever, someone who makes a lot of money. Um, But it is also in the most menial things, whether it's stacking chairs, whether it's vacuuming the floors, whether it's cleaning out our cars, whether it's transporting kids to innumerable activities that they have, whether it is teaching them at home, or whether it is... It is caring for the home or building a new, um, a, a, a new closet or whatever the case may be. Something like that. All these things are things that Jesus takes an interest in. Jesus takes an interest in our work in general. And so it's easy to think that some of these things that we're doing them, especially when we want to do other things, are not things that Jesus takes an interest in them. But here we say Jesus is interested in our daily menial tasks, the things that we do, and he says that I'm working for you, and indeed, you may think that you're not getting paid for them at all. A lot of the things we do might not get paid for, or we're not getting paid enough, but Jesus says, I'll reward those things. I'm going to bless you because of that work. But secondly, he says, on the other hand, if, you're, if, you, if you are being dishonest with your work, if you're if you're not doing what you're called to do, then he also takes care of that and ensures that people are taken care of in that way. And so the Lord is very interested. He's going to, there's going to be consequences in the world of work. And again, Jesus takes an interest even in the most menial work. And so the important lesson in all of this is that your work matters to God. You know, sometimes you can see, feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again. You know, that you're just cleaning the same stuff you, you, clean, you cleaned yesterday. But God doesn't get bored with common work. He created it, and he enjoys it. He, as it's often said, God must like the common man because he created a lot of them. You may think this morning that your work is useless, but what we see is that the work of keeping things clean, brushing your teeth, making meals, changing a tire, attaching wires, or changing oil is not useless. These are all things that God cares about and blesses. And so what we see then is that based on the scriptures, Schmidt was not correct. He was actually engaged in something that God cared about. And if you think about it, it's really quite significant. What is insurance? Every activity that we do has a certain level of risk. Driving a car, starting a business, owning a home, having a church. All these things, there's certain risks involved. 
If everybody had to assume all the risk for every activity we did, then it'd be very difficult to do almost anything because that cost would be so great. What insurance does is allows us to spread that risk around to a huge variety of people so that it doesn't cost anyone too much. And that's what Woodman of the World Insurance Company was doing. And so it was significant. It had an effect. It was something that was for the good of humanity. And that one thing, though, to note, in addition, is that just because you retire doesn't mean that you will retire from the world of significant labor. Indeed, sometimes we may retire so that we might engage in the more significant labor that we want to do. What retirement means is that you retire from, from the weekly activity of making your your paycheck to provide for yourself. But it doesn't mean that you should quit working. God has created us to work. It doesn't mean, when I say that, I don't mean that you should have a job necessarily. If you don't have to have a job, that's fine. But the point is, what are you doing? You can do significant things, whether it's taking care of your house, serving other people, helping out with different needs, creating something useful and beautiful, Uh, uh, simply working with wood or having a different hobby. All these things are significant labors that we can do that God blesses and is involved in and he cares about. He has created us and made us to do significant things. It's not just the church that God is interested in. And by that I mean not the people of God, but I mean the institution of the church. He loves the church. He loves the institution of the church. Some people have have problems with the institutional church and they say we need to abandon it. And of course, they end up just making their own institution if they try to have something different. But the point is, God loves that. He created an organization. But that's not all that he's interested in. He's interested in your work at a company where you're doing engineering work or where you're serving tourists or where you are doing insurance, or where you're selling motorcycles, or whatever the case may be. All these things are things that God also has an interest in. God created you to do significant things. Jesus wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to do significant things. He values you and loves you and wants to forgive your sins, but he also values your work and wants you to be engaged in the work of creation, That is what we might call the work world. But he also wants you to be involved in the work of redemption too, which is helping others to come to know Jesus. Both of these things are things that he cares about and is interested in. We don't leave Jesus at the door of the church building. We take him with us into our work, and he cares about what we do there. Booker T. Washington was one who learned that God valued labor. He grew up as a slave where he was compelled to do manual labor. And what he found is that he lived in a society that in some ways abhorred, hated manual labor. That was the work of slaves. And the slaves wanted to be the master so they wouldn't have to do uh, manual labor. But when he was a young boy, the slaves were freed. He moved to West Virginia and he made it his great ambition to go to school. Through many twists and turns, he made it to school in Hampton, Virginia. And in Hampton, he not only learned what we might call the normal base subjects, reading, writing, arithmetic, but he also learned the value of labor. He described it this way. 
At Hampton, I not only learned that it was not a disgrace to labor, but learned to love labor, not alone for its own sake, but for the independence and self-reliance which the ability to do something which the world wants done brings. Eventually, he realized that he himself wanted to be a teacher, and he realized that he wanted to teach not only reading and writing arithmetic, but also the value of work and labor. And so he went to Tuskegee, Alabama, where he was confronted uh, with a problem. He saw that many were making it their highest goal not to work with their hands. And so from the beginning, he realized that when he put together his school, he was going to teach them not only the value of learning with your mind, but also working with your hands. And so they were able to secure several hundred acres, but it needed to be cleared for the school. And so he would teach, and then he would grab the axe, and he would go out with the students and help them clear that land so that they could have a place where they could have a school. And then when, once that was done, he helped them make the bricks to build their own buildings. And the result is that he created a group of students that were so valuable that he could not supply enough of them to the, the southern community. And the impact was extraordinary and began to give people a different view of what could be done with their society. And so you see, he learned the value of labor. Whatever task you're involved in today, whatever you're doing, you may have some tasks this afternoon that you might say, man, I don't want to be doing that. But, and, and maybe if you could choose, you'd do something different. But remember, that task is something that God has given you today and that he values and that you can do unto him, and that he will reward, and that he will bless. So what should you do? Let me just say, here's how I think we should approach our work week and the works that we do, whether we're going to a job or just doing something at our home. First of all, begin with a prayer of thanksgiving and dedication. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. We should begin our work day and our work week with a prayer to the Lord that whatever we do, He will bless it. So we seek the Lord. Secondly, when we do it, we should take it up with eagerness and zeal. Don't look at the little and menial tasks as worthless and meaningless. God is interested in them. Your work matters to God. He cares about chopping wood, preparing meals, canning food, keeping the books, transporting children, and all sorts of other things that contribute to the well-being of society. And so in those things, instead of just doing what needs to be done, do it with a sense of eagerness and zeal to say, this is what the Lord has given me, and the Lord is in it, and the Lord blesses it. And show by your engagement in it that you believe that the Lord is involved in all of life. And then finally, commit what you have done. When you have finished your work, know that you have worked for the Lord Jesus Christ, not for men. Even if you are a slave or feel like you're one, Know that Jesus cares about you, he values you, and that he will bless you and your work. He is the one who will establish the work of our hands. Amen.